Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please be aware this episode deals with pregnancy loss and may be triggering for some listeners. Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare, acknowledges the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the land and water on which this podcast is recorded and produced. Welcome to Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare. It's the podcast for the mother who is flying by the seat of her pants. Hosted by myself, Chanel Franklin and Tamara Linky, who's sitting next to me. We've got a bit of a unique episode planned for today. Many of our listeners know usually what they'll get when they listen to our MABN episodes. We banter, we chat about anything and everything that involves our motherhood journey Mm -hmm. and the fact that we are all indeed flying by the seat of our pants in this beautiful nightmare. This episode that we have created for you today is something that we've wanted to do for a really long time, haven't we? Our last episode pays tribute to the lost babies, pregnancies that don't go to term or those that are born sleeping. Please hang in there with us because it's an episode created to be a big warm hug that so many of our fellow sisters need. Yep, indeed. And it's an ode to the angel babies that are still around us in some very special way. Okay now, from the beginning. Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare. I guess where we wanted to start with this is that loss comes in many forms, miscarriage, pregnancies that don't go to term, babies that are terminated and those that are born sleeping. It can be a really difficult conversation to open up. I feel it's important to share though how unfortunately common this level of sadness is for many women all over the world. It's very raw, very real, and so many feel utterly alone in their grief. Tamara's got a very unique story that probably many of you don't know about. We've mentioned Miller before in a previous episode, I think. Yeah. So um, we thought this was the right time to share this part of Tamara's life with you that 
um, you might be able to relate. And it's funny, actually, Chanel, (laughs) before she got here, before we started this podcast, um, I thought I would um, reflect on a a couple of things because I lost my baby at 39 weeks. And I went and looked at a few sentimental things that I had for my daughter, Miller. And I'm thinking usually I can I can deal with these sorts of things, you know, when I tell the story of how it happened, I yes. usually don't get emotional because I've told it so many times. You know, sometimes if you've had a trauma and you've you've talked about it, it becomes yep. autopilot. Yes. And you don't necessarily get emotional or upset. You can kind of decompartmentalise those things. But in this instance, before this episode, I actually got really emotional and had had a um, had a bit of a cry before this episode. So, and she'd be ten this month. Yeah, 23rd of September. She'd be ten years old. So that's like a big one for us, double digits. Yeah, because we celebrate her every year. So perhaps I'll start at the beginning of my story. I got pregnant, and it happened quite easily for us, which was great. We said we wanted to be pregnant, and we were. It was quite easy, which is a lovely thing. Yeah. Had a brilliant pregnancy. I went with the whole, I'll have a natural birth. So started in the birthing suite, you know, where you go down and it's all very yes natural and you're looked after by midwives. And I always thought, look, if something happened towards the end and I needed to, I needed to have pain relief or what have you, I'm happy to go there. I'm, sure. I'm, I'm not planning it to the nth degree. I'm going to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Perfect pregnancy. Everything was measuring right. I got to about 38 weeks and had an appointment and they told me that my baby, she was breech and that I would have to have a cesarean. And I remember sitting there with my mum, who is a midwife as well, and crying because I'd planned, I thought, I'm going to have this natural birth. Mm. Suddenly when you're told that you're going to have an operation, it's really, it's scary. Well, you just, at the same time, sometimes even if you plan things to go a certain way and they don't go that way, that's especially during with all the pregnancy hormones, it just rocks your boat a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yes. So they told me, come in uh, next Wednesday. I think this must have been a week prior. Come in next Wednesday and we'll, yeah, you have your cesarean. And I was like, okay. So I spent the week, the rest of the week dealing with that. I got to a Friday and I woke up one morning and I couldn't feel her move. And I tried all the things you usually do to make mm-hmm. the baby move, eat something cold or sweet. Jiggle or around. Jiggle yeah. around, lie down, all these sorts of things. She wasn't moving. And I started to get really anxious and panicky. I rang the hospital. They said, oh, you could kind of hear in their voice, oh, here's another crazy mum. First time mum. My first time mum, very anxious. All right, come on down and come to the hospital. Come in, we'll we'll check it out. Told Kai, he was like, oh, okay, we'll go down. He wasn't freaked out either. And you know, in your head, you're going, it's probably nothing. Yeah. I'm just... I'm just freaking because out. Because you've seen it a million times in movies or heard a million stories of, of women overreacting yeah. in these times. Anxiety, you're going to have a baby. So we went down to the hospital. I was seen by a doctor who I didn't know, so it wasn't my doctor, um, and she's scanning me with the Doppler. And after a while she's going, hmm, there's no heartbeat. And you kind of have that moment of, sorry, what? And then she gets someone else to have a look and they're looking and you're thinking, what's... And that's no, how you found out. That's what's going... Well, what she said was to me, after she'd had a little fiddle around, she, you know, felt my stomach uh, and she goes, it looks like, um, without looking at me, she's looking at the screen, oh, it looks like we have a stillbirth. Oh, my As God. if it was like saying, oh, it looks like you've broken your leg. It was a very... So just no emotion. Just, no. And because, that's horrendous. Yeah. And because... 
because of the way she said it, you can't register it. You no. don't you, or process you're in, and it. And you're in shock, a state of shock. And you're thinking, Hang, so what does that mean? Sorry, what does that mean? You know what it means, but you want them to say, oh, no, we don't mean that. We just mean something yeah. else. Yes. It can't be true. And so then I was sent off um, for a scan to make sure, like a proper scan. And by then my mum had come in. Kind of, we were yeah, we were in a state of shock. You're still hold, holding on to this hope. This is okay. This doesn't happen. This doesn't happen to me. I don't know anyone it's happened to. Uh, and we're in there having a scan. It must have been midnight by now. The, the woman, she was lovely, who was doing our scan, and she said, yeah, I'm sorry, but you've lost your baby. Um, and then from then on was a – it was probably the most – the saddest moment in my life. Mm. So devastating to be back in this bed – um, you're just sitting there going, well, what do, what do you do now? Yeah. Now, this doctor tells me, she says, you can come in um, tomorrow and we'll induce you and you have the baby. I was freaked out. I'm like, sorry, what? You've just told me I've lost my baby and now I have to have, I have to give birth to a baby mm. that's not alive. And, yeah. and I'm already thinking I don't want to see this baby, right? Because I don't know. It's just what I thought. Then one of my mum's very good um, obstetric um, friends came down, beautiful, beautiful lady, and she came into the rescue because my mum had said, please come down and see her and look after her. So she came in and she said, Tamara, you don't need to give birth to this baby. You can have a cesarean. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You do what you want to do. Yeah. So then they sent me home. <laughs> so we are driving back home um, and I have this, I have a baby in my belly who I know is is dead mm-hmm. essentially. So that was... So we're driving home and we're just in silence, Kai and I, just not knowing what to do. We know we've got to go through this. It, have, it hasn't even started yet, this yeah. journey. Yeah. Uh, the next day we go to hospital. We have um, this caesarean uh, surrounded by, you know, how you have a team. If mm. you're in the, um, in the hospital having a C-section, there's a massive team of people around you. Yeah. Who, who were there and everyone was quite sombre and upset and even the midwives were crying, I think, when the baby was delivered. And she came out, uh, this perfect, perfect baby. She was just like as if you'd just given birth to a, a baby, mm-hmm. you know, like a, there was nothing wrong with her. Yep. She didn't look any different. And then we went back to the suite and they give you time with your baby. So we were holding her. We named her Miller, Miller Marie, and we looked at her and all I could remember saying was, um, open your eyes. Why won't she open her eyes? And and she just never did. But I remember looking at it just in my head screaming, open your eyes. Why can't yeah. she open? She's, she's here, you know. And then our parents came in and, ugh, it was just probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Yeah. And we just um, sat with her for hours and everyone had a hold um, and we had a big cry together. And then I guess the worst part was we had to give her away. We had to give her back. We had to say goodbye. And I think you have that moment of you could hold them forever. You know, you can't take them home. So you just, you just have to, it's like ripping off a bandaid, you know, you got to just give them to the nurse, give her to the nurse. And, um, and that was it. Yeah. And then you're left alone having had this baby. You feel like you've lost a limb. You know, the, there's, no, there's no words to describe what we as women go through when we face these things, mm. whether it's your baby's born still, whether you um, have chosen to terminate, whether you've had a miscarriage. 
you're mourning what could have been as well as the physicality of the loss, yeah. which is a huge yes. thing. And it's a level of sadness that's difficult to understand. And I don't think anyone can prepare you for where you find yourself. The grief is unimaginable. Many women find themselves on a journey that they never signed up for. So grief is a, a really tricky thing because you often think of it as something you deal with when either you lose a family member or granny, grandpa, mum, dad, those kind of things. But grief comes in many forms. It could be um, a friendship that no longer exists anymore. It could be someone moving away, a marriage breakdown. But grief, um, in this instance, uh, a quote that I, I found, the days slowly get lighter on your heart, but grief and love are forever entwined because the grief is the terrible reminder of the depths of your love. Yeah. And it goes in ways. Yeah. And just sometimes when you think that um, you've made sense of it, and you've put it in a part of your brain where you say, I'm okay with it now, something will pull you straight back in. Exactly. And like you say, the grief and the love together, something devastating, but something so beautiful. Because it was very poignant for me as well at the same time, and for Kai, because we'd had a baby. We had this beautiful baby. She was perfect. You know, we looked at her hands, her feet. She had all, you've made this person. Just the, the sad part is you don't get to keep them. Yeah. So... You still celebrate that fact that, wow, I had a baby. You still have all those same feelings as a new mother, Mm -hmm. you know, that you've given birth. So I think that's often something that's neglected. Massively. And not thought about. Yep. Yeah. People tend from the outset to just see your loss, not probably maybe celebrating the fact that you've had a baby in the case of stillbirth. Um, I haven't experienced what Tamara has gone through and Kai have gone through, but my mum had um, gave birth to my two older sisters. They were born sleeping. She had twin to twin transfusion, which is where they share the same placenta, but one takes too much and one doesn't have enough nutrients from the placenta. So something that would not happen um, with a single pregnancy, but very common with twins. It's a lot better now because of the medical advancements of checking these kind of things before um, they get to that stage where identical twins are often born um, prematurely based on that. So my mum went through it nearly 37 years ago. And I think now when I think of my poor mum and what she went through during that time, there wasn't what there is now as no. far as the help, Support. the awareness. It was really cold, I think. So she she gave birth to the two babies. How long on were they? I think they were 28 between 28 and 30 weeks, um, a dangerous time prematurely because they are still young, but had they, had it been today, they probably would have been alive given the the scans and things like that. So, um, she said there was no social media or text messages. She felt so alone and there were no support groups out there that she was aware of. So she didn't get told that from the hospital that, you know, these people can help you afterwards in your level of grief. She didn't have any of that. No, they didn't have the support groups, did they? No. Right here in Adelaide, there's a wonderful organisation called Still Aware that was created by a mother whose um, child was also born sleeping that helps mothers um, through this journey. So if you want to reach out to them, um, they're a beautiful organisation. And if you want to know if there's something that exists in your country or state that's similar, um, I'm sure they'd be more than happy for you to drop them an email. But when my mum left the hospital, she's like, what do I do now? You know, she got home, her extended family had packed up the nursery. um, And she said, I needed to see those cots and stuff, but they're thinking 
she can't be faced with two cots that are empty. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. You know, those kind of things. And and she thought it's all too real at that point. It's – I don't want to see the cots but I want to see them but it's all – it's too much. She held them in her arms and said what you said. They looked perfect. They Mm. were little because they were premature but they were just perfect and asleep and, you know, she – Never really knew anyone that had gone through what she'd gone through. And even my dad didn't know what to do to support her because he's going through his own level of grief. But just I don't think any of them were geared up for for what was about to happen. And she said, I had nothing to show for my hard work, nothing to show for the bleeding, the bloatedness. It was all very mechanical afterwards. You know, they scatter your milk, you fill in forms. It's one disappointment after another of things that you've got to go through that you're... And you don't realise that at all. I had similar to your mum, same thing. You come home, but I had a nursery and then you're in there crying every day because yeah, there's no baby to put in, in the cot. In my case, I had having had a cesarean, I had a lot of inflammation, so I still looked pregnant for mm. a few weeks afterwards. And you're going yeah. out and about and people are asking, oh, when are you due? And then you just... You burst into tears. Yep. You know, it's a constant reminder, reminder. Yep. of that kind of thing. So it is it is super hard. And I was lucky I had a lot of friends, loads of friends and support around me. There were those support groups if you wanted to tap into them, even Facebook groups and things like that. It's so real turning up on that doorstep though, isn't it? When yeah. you when you rock up to those kind of places that that meet you with nothing but a but warmness, kindness and and love. And understanding, but there's nothing that kind of prepares you to, to shut your front door, get in the car, put the keys in the car and rock up there and say, this is now my life now. It's really... Yeah. I wasn't expecting this. No. No. You know, one thing that it's, it's funny because it is a little bit funny, but it's sweet as well. The next morning that I woke up after going home, we had just uh, employed two contractors, two Greek contractors, this old bloke and his son, to render our house. So they were kind of doing that whilst we were, you know, we were planning to bring home the baby. And I've woken up to these two Greek guys outside of my bedroom window arguing and singing in Greek to some radio, like really loud. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you moving that over here? Bring it back over here. What are you doing? They're carrying on. And I'm lying there and I couldn't help but smile and go, you know what, something terrible's happened but life is going on around you and it's... And it does. And it, it's it's sort of that reminder that it, yeah. the world doesn't revolve around you. It feels like that in the moment yeah. and you're allowed to have that moment Absolutely. and as long as you need to recover and to, to feel all the feels and be in it, be in the grief. But I think I, I kind of gave me that little bit of hope that, you know... Life's out there waiting for you when you're ready to when have you're it. Ready, exactly, and that that is that thing about grief again. That one minute you kind of feel that I'm all right with with something, not not this, but there's there's moments where you become you feel lighter. Yeah, I suppose that's the word. You feel lighter for a moment, but then then there's something that pulls you back in. You know, like you go to your six week obstetrician appointment, you hold the door open for a mum that's walking through that door to come out. Yeah, that's the hardest. She's holding the capsule. She's got oily hair. She's tired. She's sore because she's still recovering. Six weeks is not a long time. And you kind of hold the door open for her and it's like colliding worlds. She's Mm -hmm. going through the... What you should be going through. What you should be going through. Mm -hmm. You know, my mum said to me when she sat there, I had nothing to do with my hands. I didn't know where to put them in my lap, sit on them. 
crying to them. I didn't know what they were empty. They should have been holding two children. Yeah. And they were empty. Mm-hmm. So she was she said I felt empty for a very long time because I had no one I suppose to validate what I was going through, which I think is really, really difficult. And I praise her so much because she did that on her own. But also I think she's at a point now being 63 where I think now she's allowed herself to acknowledge those feelings. Yeah. Yep. And and so there's what I'm saying, there's never a right or wrong time. It's when as long as you process it as best possible, even if you are doing it 37 years later, she's done this, she's done it this whole time. She's lit candles, she's thought about them every day, celebrated their birthday in her own special way with my dad. But I think now going down to the depths of what that feeling is like and what she went through and processing that is really a powerful thing for you, for your healing. Yes, Annie, that's um, I understand. I used to go to the supermarket and it used to make me really anxious as well. But also I would be so resentful of mums with pramps. I could not help it. Yep. I was angry at them. I didn't want to be near them. Yep. And then I had to tell myself later, you don't know what that mum's been through. Maybe that was an IVF baby. Maybe she'd lost babies before. Maybe she hadn't. But that's okay. You can't you can't be angry at everyone else for what they have and what you didn't yeah. have. So that was also part of that period of anger, like you say. That's a journey grieve. though. You're allowed to be angry. Anger is a normal human emotion. We're allowed to get angry about things. It's just important to pull our head back in. And as you said, you reminded yourself that you don't know her journey. So it's, it's important to know, don't put that pressure on yourself of, of having to feel that level of anxiousness mm-hmm. and and anger really or frustration because you're allowed to feel that you know one other thing that uh, in that grief as well when you are angry I noticed because I did join a Facebook chat group because it was about pregnancy loss so I kind of felt wow there's so many women this happens to a lot of people revel in that grief and they it's almost like they belong in a special club and they don't want to let go of it because if you let go of that grief you're letting go of that of that child or mm-hmm. that person whatever it is you're grieving it's not necessarily a healthy place to be in whereas they'd be writing things on this facebook group wall saying things like no one understands what we're going through my best friend she did a garden a commemorative garden for my my son how dare she do that so think that's a bit of a slippery slope to go down as well yeah. where people feel like they're in this special club that no one could possibly understand and that's a very important thing to also be aware of as well. What that does to the relationships around you when you go through when you've had a miscarriage you've had to terminate your baby um, or your baby was born sleeping I think for people around you it can be a really um, tricky time to know how to give you what you need when they don't know mm-hmm. really what you need. No. I mean, probably the easiest and most um, effective way to show you care, something like dropping a lasagna off or a butter chicken. You yeah. don't even need to – you just text them and say it's at the door. Yep. And they know – they don't have to face you in that moment of then tapping into their feelings, but the love is there right there in a thought that you've made made an effort yeah. to get to their door and do that, something like that. But mum used to had people in the shop, she said, come up to her and, and say, oh, don't worry, love, it's all right and it must be so hard. You'll have another one. She goes, I, know. I don't want that. You get some interesting things. And they don't – the thing is I think people panic. I don't think don't they know. mean to yeah. say the things they say. I think they just – and they go, I can't believe I said that in that moment of time saying, 
don't worry, you... It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be, all those kind of things. I don't think they mean it to be how it's taken by the mother or the father that's going through that level of grief, but they don't know what to say. If you don't know what to say, here's a hot tip. Just say, I'm sorry for your loss. I know it's cliche. Or I'm thinking just just say something like that. You know what? It doesn't really matter what you say. It's about acknowledgement in whatever form that comes. It's not ignoring it because you don't know what to say. It's acknowledgement. I think that's all people will appreciate. And also understanding everyone grieves differently. Some people might be angry and they don't want to talk about it. Some people might want to talk about it for days Mm. and or they want people around or they don't want people around or they might be really terse on the phone if you're having a chat and to try to support them. At the end of the day, it's not about you, it's about them. And if you acknowledge it and they're angry and they reject you in that moment, it's fine. You just step away and go, that's how they're feeling. I respect that. I'm here for you when you need. Don't make it about you. Yeah. And just give them the space. The tricky thing is I think you might not know how that person is trying to process that grief. So you mm. you might be looking for those cues which are, yeah. is she crying? Is she not? Is she happy? Is he happy? We're talking about the dads too. We're, you know, they're, they're in this process. It's a very different thing to go through but they're still um, going through their own unique journey as a father and, and experiencing that loss. I think just certainly not eggshells, but just treading with kindness and patience because of your physical presence or your thought in, let's say, the lasagna, the butter chicken, something like that. <laughs> just those two things. Those two things. Don't, don't send any other food. Um, <laughs> but they're heartwarming. It could be a soup. It could be anything that just allows someone to know that you're in their thoughts. And grief is a journey. So there are days that they're going to want to be around you or they're going to want to be taken out for dinner and just talk about not that and something else or there's going to want to be times where they want to talk about it. Everyone wants to deal with their grief differently Differently. because it's what comes natural to them. So as you said, it's not about you as the person but 100% acknowledge. Don't don't fall down the rabbit hole of going, I won't say it because I don't want to upset them upset them Mm. because I feel that's worse because the person going through it will turn around and go, you didn't even acknowledge it and then there's someone going didn't I didn't mean to upset you I just didn't I didn't think it, I could I'm bring sorry. it up yeah 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 so a hand holding an arm around the shoulder something just to sort of say I'm thinking of you and I'm here if you need me when you need me and it's it is interesting people did assume that Kai and I having gone through this together mm. would react in the same way and we actually didn't yeah at all. I wanted that acknowledgement. I wanted people to say, oh, hi, did you have it? What, what did you have? A little girl and oh, her name, yes. what was her name? Did it, all this sort of thing. So I could, I wanted that acknowledgement in whatever format that came. Mm-hmm. Kai was a bit head in the sand. It happened. We've dealt with it now. Come on. Obviously he was hurting, but he was a bit of a people pleaser. He didn't want to upset other people around him. Yeah. So he'd be like, hi, when we catch up, how are you going? We're doing pretty well, you know, considering, yeah. which we were. Mm. But And I'd be like, hi, I'm not ready for party time. You might feel that that's the, how you want to deal with it. And then people are kind of would get confused around us like, oh, oh, they seem to be doing fine. Okay, yeah. we won't talk about it. Let's go have lunch and talk about something else. Yeah. And I'd be sitting there dying on the inside going, how can we all be sitting around drinking wine when a week ago, you know, I lost my baby? Yeah. Is anyone going to talk about this? This, <laughs> like, is a, this is a really interesting thing because when you go through um, a level of trauma, no matter what that has looked like when you've lost your baby, as I said, whether it's miscarriage, termination or born sleeping, it has 
a massive effect on the relationships around you, your partner, whether that be a female or male, um, your mum and dad, your sister, your brother, your friends, you measure people and you hold them to that level of what they did for you during that time. And it can change relationships forever. Mm. Some marriages, they bring them closer. Some marriages break apart. The mum is not, and the dad are not seeing eye to eye. They're not feeling understood. My mum said that my dad took her away somewhere in a caravan afterwards and she just, she could not be there. Like it was dad's way of doing, dealing with it was running away yeah. somewhere. And it wasn't what my mum needed, but she also didn't know what she needed at that time. She just was sure. so unsure of, of everything that was coming. It was, and I said to her, what got you through? And she said, you, because I was her baby that came next. Yeah. And because I was a single pregnancy, the stress was massively decreased because what happened to um, her twins were only only could happen to identical twins. It couldn't happen to unidentical twins because there's two separate placentas. Right. So in her mind, it, it was okay. It was okay. You, Still yep. scary because you you mm-hmm. absolutely overanalyze things and every you know point of going is this baby okay? But she said you got me through that time. But also, I could never take that pain away either from her. So no. it's a really interesting point and that's why we're trying to stress about the things that you can do to support those women around you and men that are going through that because those relationships sometimes can be fractured forever you you think you think friends are going to be there for you at certain points and some absolutely are and some just don't know what to say and by knowing by not knowing what to say it the friendship disintegrates and it's sad because then you're dealing with another loss of someone where you thought I wanted you to be there for me and you weren't. You rocked up to my house and all you talked about was your crappy boss or your something like that or your husband's lazy and I'm here and I've lost my baby. Yeah, I've, it's an elephant in the room yeah. that no one's talking about. So just acknowledge and if they want to go there, they will. If they don't, they won't. But just that moment of that this mother knows that she's being considered and her baby's being considered and it's nothing to not ignore but shy away from. I don't think you can go wrong when you do that because it does affect relationships massively, all different kinds. Yeah, it does. Going back onto your point as well about having babies for those of us who are lucky to go on and have babies yeah. after a loss, yeah, uh, that it did really help me. I feel a bit sad that my pregnancies both with Skylar and Wolfie were very high risk, which meant they mm. weren't enjoyable. Mm. I just was full of anxiety. I had to inject myself in my stomach every day with blood thinners. It was very medical, you know, and yeah. that's how I wanted it too. Lots of checkups. But at the same time, you're holding your breath for nine months. I actually was shocked when Skylar came out and she was alive. It was actually like, is that is that true? Can this be true? Mm-hmm. It was like a miracle. Yeah. like Because that doesn't happen to me. Yes. So you really have this appreciation for how hard it is to have a baby. I'm yes. telling you, like, it's not just, mm-hmm. it's not easy no. and for, in so, for so many women in so many ways too. So, and then the same went for Wolfie. Here we go again. That's probably why I think I got them out really quick. I was like, pregnant, boom, pregnant. <laughs> Let, let's yes. just get these pregnancies done. And then they're here. And then they're here. And then I'm done. Uh, so, but children, having more children afterwards can can help soothe that pain I think in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but yeah they're always there you know you think of them always. Absolutely when my mum kind of sat us down 
and explained that we had older sisters that were born sleeping. How old were you? I don't remember. It was a conversation that I didn't understand because I always thought I was the eldest um, and that didn't matter to me at all but I just didn't understand what it meant for a baby to be born still and asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know. I was like, what? It's this part of my mum I never knew. So I suppose I was a bit confused and and sad in a way because I was grieving grieving two babies that I didn't understand. You hadn't met. Yeah. yeah. And yep. the photos back then were very pixelated. They were wrapped up beautifully. Like there was an only one photo, you know, mm-hmm. like so I think now that I'm a mother myself, I can understand a lot more and we're so close tomorrow that I can that you've been through it too. It helps me kind of understand a bit more about what many women for many years have gone through when they've lost their children before they were born. Everybody deals with it differently and how they talk to their children about perhaps a pregnancy loss previously. But with our kids from day dot, we talked about it. So they will talk about Miller. If they see a butterfly, there's baby Miller. Or they'll sometimes get sad. Oh, I miss my big sister. I wish she was here. Mm-hmm. So that keeps her alive in our family. Yeah. And we on her birthday, we go up to the Botanic Gardens and we feed the ducks together as a family uh, and celebrate her and go and have something to eat and some cake, that kind of thing. Yep. So nice. she's, you know, part of our family. But often they will say, I wish she was around. Yeah. And that, to me, that helps keep her memory alive through them as well. Do you know something? World famous medium John Edwards shared some really comforting words on what happens with these little souls that lived for a short while within their mothers. If you're not spiritual, stay with me on this because his words are just lovely. And maybe you can pass them on to someone that might need to hear it. So he said, the energies of those lost souls do stay with you. Their energy is like the moon and it circles you as their mum and their family, which is something that made me think of it when you said, when you celebrate Miller's birthday and you're all together. So her energy is in that moment with you. If you've had a reading done, many women have had readings done and they say you've had three children and you mm-hmm. reply only two. Yeah. The energy of that third child stays with their mother predominantly. The only issue can be is that they don't have a lot of life experience. So if there's there's not a lot they can validate. So you'll often find they'll either come through with a grandparent or a parent or someone close to you that's passed on um, because there isn't enough for them to validate why they're there. The energy ages with the mother. So if you lost your baby through miscarriage and your baby would have been six now, the energy around you is six years old is what he said. And the bond between a mother and her baby is so true in its natural form um, that science just can't explain it. It really is a bond that our comprehension is just is far beyond our imagination and is something that is felt rather than explained in words, isn't it? Yeah, it is unexplainable. Much like the love between a mother and a child is as well. It, you know, absolutely. Yeah, that's a lovely sentiment. So this episode was created um, specifically without any statistics, without any kind of um, medical talk or jargon. It was really meant to connect on an emotional level with you all and to let each and every one of you that have gone through this know that you're not alone. You're understood, you're heard and you're validated in everything that you feel. So please share this episode with anyone that may need it, a fellow sister or even a struggling partner that doesn't know how to help his or her partner. We've come to the end of this unique episode that has taken us a long time to create, mainly because we wanted to do it right. So thank you for staying with us. 
Um, we have a special tribute that we have prepared and we want to thank you and these special mums for sharing their stories and helping us create this. If we could hug each and every one of you now, we would. So please know this episode was created for you to feel hugged in the best way we could. So please have a listen to some of the other beautiful mums who've shared their stories with us. My journey to having a family wasn't a straight line. The first pregnancy miscarried at seven weeks and the second turned into my beautiful, healthy, amazing daughter. And sadly, my third pregnancy was a roller coaster that ended at 16 weeks, I think. It's crazy, but I don't remember the exact age because it was traumatic. But I knew he was a baby boy and I named him William because I dreamt his name at the beginning of the pregnancy before I knew the gender. I am so grateful to have my daughter because I know that it's not everybody's ending. My name is Brooke. I've lost eight babies, all at different stages of pregnancy. While each loss was incredibly painful, the experience has also made me so grateful for my son, Luca. I've also developed a profound appreciation for mothers and everyone's unique journey to becoming one. Hi, my name's Natalie. Um, My journey began when um, we were trying to conceive for the first time. It took us a good year and a half, two years, to actually fall pregnant the first time. Went in for a couple of scans, everything was fine. Went in for a scan at 15 weeks, 16 weeks. It was just before Christmas, so I wanted to have another scan done. And it wasn't until then that we noticed that um, that baby's head just didn't look right. And it turned out that baby had anencephaly, which is like a neural tube defect. I remember just feeling just a bit in a haze, not knowing what to feel. Like a journey that takes you so long to get there and once you get there it's just a bit of a kick in the guts. The hardest part for me was having to make a decision on whether to go through with the pregnancy. I ended up going through with the termination at about 16 weeks. One of the hardest decisions I've ever ever had to make second guess myself every single time what I decided to do back then that I wouldn't have these two beautiful souls that I've got in my life now. I'm Adriana and I've experienced three full rounds of IVF, eight transfers, multiple chemical pregnancies and the miscarriage of my son's twin all on the journey to meet my two incredible children. During this time I uncovered the power of releasing the guilt and stress I've been carrying for years in trying to create the perfect conception vessel. As I shifted my focus from what I thought I needed to allow my body to conceive to nurturing my true needs, something magical unlocked inside of me. I'm Cassie. I've had four miscarriages in total. After our first miscarriage, we were blessed with a healthy boy who is now three. Unfortunately, since then, we've had another three. I was quite blindsided by my first miscarriage because no one seems to talk about them. I literally knew nothing about the process or what to expect. I feel we are made to believe miscarriaging should be kept private and to be on the hush. Each to their own, but I truly believe that by talking about our own experiences, we can help one another with comfort, love and support. I felt so much grief and so much loss, but took great comfort in talking about it with my peers. All I can say is you're not alone. Hi, I'm Megan. When I was about 24, I had an ectopic pregnancy that um, ended up rupturing and I was bleeding internally. I lost one fallopian tube and um, yeah, thought I was going to lose my life. I didn't. For that, I'm forever grateful. Later in my life, I tried for children. It took a little while longer than I had 
thought, but I have two healthy, happy children, a boy and a girl, and yeah, super grateful um, to be where I am. When I was in my early 30s, I had uh, two miscarriages, and I was they were early on in in the pregnancy, so that was a pretty common experience, I guess, for a lot of people, but it didn't feel very common to me, I guess. I, I was unexpectedly, I guess, really, really sad about, about it, and I guess they were my first pregnancies too, so I started to deal with the idea that maybe I wasn't going to be able to carry children full term. So that was a lot for me to cope with at the time, but I'm incredibly lucky. I now have three gorgeous kids and and I feel very, very lucky. My name's Kai. We lost our daughter, Miller, at 39 weeks. That was about 10 years ago. It would actually be her birthday this month and we celebrate her birthday every year. At the time of losing Miller, it was obviously a very sad time, and but my wife, she was amazing. She supported me. I supported her. We talked a lot, and I believe it actually brought us closer together. We've told our kids about her, and she will always be part of our life. We've managed to get through it, and hopefully other people will get through it too. Just support each other, because it will bring you closer together. Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare is produced by Soundball Productions and hosted by Chanel Franklin and Tamara Linky. We would love to hear from you, so please email us on motherhoodabeautifulnightmare at gmail.com or just for kicks, check out our website at motherhoodabeautifulnightmare.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode of Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare and can find two minutes in between managing those little nutters, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey, word on the street is it helps people find us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.